Hi, everyone. Thank you for again inviting us into your home. I trust you're having a great day and a great week whenever you may be watching and listening to this sermon. We're in a series that we've entitled, I Used to Think, But Now I Know. It really has been prompted by a book that I read some time ago by Bob Goff called Love Does. In it, he has a number of quotes which I found interesting and has prompted my thinking, and uh, thus this uh, series of sermon. The um, quote that I want to talk about or reference today is, I used to think I could shape my circumstances around me. Now I know my circumstances shape me. This quote prompted my thinking in the area of how do we discover the will of God? How does God shape us? And what are the factors that really lead up to us following what God desires in our lives? Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8 comes to mind. It's a a wonderful passage of scripture. It says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Doesn't that bring a wonderful image to mind as we picture a potter uh, molding a vessel? His, His hands are all over the pot as he molds it. And so God's fingerprints are all over our lives, and he intimately shapes us. And he, and he uses a number of things to shape us. He, not, he uses a number of ways. He, he shapes us through his word. The word of God speaks so uh, clearly into our lives as we study it and reflect upon it and uh, pray uh, in the midst of it. And he also shapes us and molds us by his Holy Spirit. And both the Word and the Holy Spirit shape us best when we're in the fellowship of other believers. And and that's really important because often people tend to uh, have private interpretations of Scripture or what the Holy Spirit might be saying to them, that if they had passed it by a few uh, believing friends, the believing friends might have helped them uh, correct maybe what they were thinking or the direction that they were going. But the Word and the Spirit speak powerfully into our lives as we are in fellowship, in community with other believers. But the Lord also uses circumstances in our lives to direct us and to shape us. In fact, much of our growth comes from the circumstances we find ourselves in. And uh, I I wrote an article a number of years ago um, entitled, uh, The Confessions of a Reluctant Church Planner. And as I uh, began to reflect back on my church planting experience, I realized that uh, church planting for me wasn't something that I dreamed about doing. It wasn't something that was part of a grand vision. It wasn't something that I uh, charted, so to speak. Uh, It was simply a matter of responding to circumstances. I began to pray about church planting and about the need for planters, and, and then circumstances began to occur and I began to make choices as I felt the Lord leading me, and I ended up uh, being a, a church planter. And uh, that's often the way, when I look back on my life, at some of the things that, that uh, I have been involved with, from uh, being the dean of a seminary, being the president of a seminary, it was a matter of responding to opportunities that God brought up across my path. Not, not the result of some great vision casting or some... Uh, attempt to discern uh, or hear a voice from heaven. Remember listening to James Dobson, the founder of Focus on the Family, talking about this, 
And someone asked him, you know, was, was focused on the family, a grand scheme, a grand dream that you had? And he said, no, it was just that, you know, I graduated from university, I wrote a book, it was popular, I had an opportunity to do a radio broadcast, and it all just kind of flowed from there. I just kept making decisions as God gave me opportunity, and uh, this wonderful, uh, in, well, uh, program called Focus on the Family developed through all of that. There's a passage of scripture that I found very helpful in understanding this, and it's found in Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 to 14. Jesus is speaking. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do shape us, that uh, you do allow circumstances in our lives and, and allow us to make choices that will make a big difference in the outcome and the flow and the, and, and the way we live our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us renewed minds, that your Holy Spirit lives in us. Help us to choose carefully and wisely. Help us to choose the uh, things that uh, are pleasing to you and to follow you. Uh, help us to really understand that we are being shaped by your love, not only through your word and by the Spirit of God, but also through the circumstances you allow into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So in our text, Jesus has sent out the 12 disciples, and here they're called apostles, but one of the rare times in the book of Matthew that they're called apostles, and apostles simply means sent out ones, and he, shared, he sends them out to share the good news. So this is a pivotal moment. This is when they begin to practice what Jesus has been telling them about the kingdom of God. They were to go from home to home. They were to heal the sick. They were to cast out demons. They were to talk to people about the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, how would they know where to stay? How would they know which homes to enter? How would they know how long to stay? And Jesus basically says this, just go from door to door. If they welcome you, stay there. If not, move on. Shake the dust off your feet. That was a, um, a way, uh, an expression, shake the dust off your feet. This is what the Pharisees did when they entered a Gentile territory and then they were leaving. They shook the dust off their feet as if to indicate that they were not contaminated by whatever was going on in that Gentile territory. And, and it's an expression of basically saying, uh, no, uh, we're not responsible. We've given the message and the message has been rejected. And so Jesus basically says, here's what you do. You allow your circumstances to direct you. I'm not going to be there uh, giving smoke signals. You don't have to have a prayer meeting every time you decide whether to go to this house or that house. Just simply go to the house, uh, see if they welcome you. If they welcome you, stay there and share the gospel. If they don't welcome you, leave. Go find some other place. In other words, let the circumstances guide you. If you're waiting for a voice from heaven, you may never do anything. Uh, keep in mind, you live in Christ. He lives in you. You walk in Christ. So make a decision according to your circumstances and use your renewed mind. These aren't blind choices, but 
with your renewed mind, with the understanding that Jesus gives us, with the reasoning power that Jesus gives us, we can make decisions and follow the Lord and then trust the Lord with the choices that we make. And you know that a ship at anchor is very hard to steer, is at the mercy of the current. Whenever I go on to uh, West Vancouver, my wife teases me because I love to count the number of ships in the harbor. And I think my record is about 18 to 20 uh, huge cargo ships at anchor in the harbor. But if you look out into the harbor at those ships, they'll all be pointing the same direction because they're at the mercy of the tide. At the, of the current. And because they're anchored, uh, they will all turn uh, to the wind or the tide and uh, stay pretty stationary in that position. Uh, a ship can't be steered unless it's moving. And I know at one time, ships had to move under the lion's gate against the flow of the, of the tide or the current. Because if they were moving with the current, uh, they had no ability to steer because the rudder needs the water passing it in order to direct the boat. And so either it had to be slack tide or against the current in order for the ship to safely go underneath the Lionsgate Bridge. Uh, that was because of fear of the ship going out of control and being moved by the current and perhaps running into one of the... Uh, the posts that hold the Lionsgate Bridge up. So while we're moving, we are more open to direction than when we're stagnant or standing still. So we make choices according to circumstances God brings in our lives, and he's able to direct us. You know, if, there, if you want a job done, uh, it's often better to ask the busiest person that you know to do the job, because busy people will tend to do the job, and people with very little to do, or people who are doing very little, you'd think they'd have time to do something, but actually they're the very people who won't do the job. I've, I've learned that. that uh, and this is really uh, Newton's law of inertia. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. So people who are in motion, people who are active, people who are serving, uh, they will be the ones who tend to serve more if given the opportunity. But while at rest, uh, it's very difficult to move someone from uh, doing nothing to doing something. That's just uh, Newton's uh, law of inertia applied to spiritual practices. And so we are being shaped by our circumstances because we are able to make wise decisions, wise choices choices with the renewed mind, with the Holy Spirit uh, in us, Jesus in us, we make good decisions. Now, uh, that being said, there are three caveats or, or three cautions in responding to our circumstance. The first is this, circumstances reveal yes or no, but not God's pleasure or displeasure with us. You see, sometimes people assume because God says no, perhaps it's a job opportunity that goes by the by and, and doesn't happen. People assume when God says no, sometimes, that God is displeased with them. But I just need to say that when God says no, when, even when God says yes, it's often no indication of whether he's pleased with us or displeased with us. It's not an indication that he's punishing us because God says, in fact, Sometimes no 
is good news. And, and perhaps you've experienced this in, the life, in your life where you've wanted a job and you've gone out and sought for it, thought it was, it was just the best job for you, the right fit, and it didn't work out and you're so disappointed and only later to find a better job and you look back and say, oh, I'm so glad that God said no to me uh, in that particular circumstance because he was really directing me to something better. So circumstances reveal yes and no but not God's pleasure or displeasure with us. The second caveat is this. Don't assume the worst when circumstances don't go as planned. Uh, The sky is not falling. Remember the story of Chicken Little, Henny Penny, an acorn falls on her head and she assumes that the whole sky is falling and she gathers the other barnyard animals uh, together and claims that the world is about to end, the sky is falling, and of course it's not, and that causes her all kinds of problems and her animal friends. Well, the sky is not falling. Don't assume the worst. Uh, This does not forebode the beginning of the end. Our circumstances are simply circumstances, and God can use the good and the bad in our lives to achieve uh, his purposes. This is an opportunity to pray, to reflect, and to grow. Assume the best until circumstances prove otherwise. When negative things happen, when our circumstances don't seem to go our way, we should assume that maybe God is at work here and he's got something better for us. The third caveat is this. Remember, we are being shaped by his love for us. Remember that Romans 8.28 passage. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We are in his hands, the hands of the master potter. He will mold us through our circumstances. So the Lord is very interested in speaking to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit. And our circumstances will shape us. We will all grow into his likeness. That's his promise to us. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 comes to mind. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Let's pray. So Father, thank you that you shape us like a potter shapes clay. Thank you that your fingerprints are all over our lives. We pray that we would uh, listen carefully to your word, respond quickly to your Holy Spirit, and to realize that you can shape us through circumstances and that we can make decisions and trust you Because you've given us a renewed mind and your Holy Spirit lives in us. And even you even create desires that are your desires in us. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are involved shaping our lives and that you're shaping us in a loving way. In your name we pray these things, for your honor and for your glory. Amen. There's going to be a question that comes up on your screen. And we would like you to contemplate this question for one minute, and then I'll come back with a concluding comment. The question is, if Jesus lives in you, can you make decisions based on the confidence that he has given you a renewed mind and that he guides your thoughts like the disciples in Matthew 10, verse 11 to 14? So think about that for a minute. I'll come back with a concluding comment. In 1902, a 42-year-old woman 
went to a prayer meeting rather discouraged. She was discouraged because she believed that she had been called to go to Africa as a missionary, but her funding had fallen through and she wasn't able to go. So she was a bit depressed and and went to this prayer meeting. And, And during the prayer meeting, she listened to an older lady pray. And this older lady prayed a prayer, something like this. It doesn't really matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your own way in our lives. Well, this lady went home and meditated on Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 13, where the Lord took Jeremiah to the potter's house and he watched him mold uh, the clay. And it was a illustration, a metaphor for how God is guiding and leading the nation of Israel. And this lady, whose name was Adelaide Pollard, then wrote a hymn. And the hymn is called, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, perhaps a famous hymn of the 20th century. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will while I am waiting yielded and still. Perhaps you heard it. So out of a very discouraging experience, this lady was prompted to write a a beautiful hymn that has touched the lives of uh, many followers of Jesus. She later went on to the mission field. But you can see in her life and you can see in our lives how our circumstances do shape us, how God has given us a renewed mind in his Holy Spirit and his word to lead us and guide us and that we can take confidence that we are being shaped by his love. Our doxology for this passage is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.